It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But with all the current uncertainty, how do we know when and where to put our hard-earned money to work for us? It's easy to become distracted by that shiny object or the quote-unquote next best thing. So how do we determine which strategies will best align with our financial goals? Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies to build our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Danny Nichols. And I'm Chris Thompson. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my favorite co-host, Chris Thompson. Going on, Danny? It's good to see you, bro. Chris, great to see you, man. I got to tell you, I'm super excited about the guest this week. We had a great conversation, man. I, I, I can't wait to share with listeners. Tell everybody who we spoke with today. Okay, yeah. So we've been trying to get this guy on for a little while now. Our schedule's finally lined up. We brought on Billy Keels. Uh, Billy, he's a long distance real estate investor who lives in Spain and he invests in US real estate. Uh, he's the founder of the Keep On Cash Flow, where his mission is to help high wage earners and retirees find great investment opportunities inside the US. Uh, Billy is also the host of the Going Long podcast, where he interviews real life experts and mainstream investors on how they're making positive strides so that his listeners can do the exact same thing. Uh, today, we spoke with Billy about his journey from working in the corporate world of software to investing passively and actively in real estate in the United States, all while working in Spain. We also spoke about the habits and the work-life balance necessary if you want to be successful and invest it at a distance. He's awesome. Billy is awesome, you know, and he provided a ton of great stuff, you know, during our conversation. And, you know, I, I think I, le- I know I learned a lot from it. And I think that, you know, you learned a lot from it, but you know, the takeaways from this, they're pretty massive, especially for the type of investing that we're doing, right? Long distance. It's all investing, long distance. Really. Right. So I think it's, it's pretty amazing. And he's got a great story too. So that doesn't hurt, but uh, all right, two quick things before we get into today's episode. One, if you're a fan of the show or even a first time listener, we would really appreciate you leaving us a rating and written review it really helps us to track more guests grow the podcast, and ultimately provide better information for everyone listening. And then secondly, if you're a passive real estate investor or looking to learn more about passive investing, then check out our website at twosmartassets.com. There you can find our updated passive investing guide. It's got to help you get started on your passive investing journey and provide you with the right questions to ask to make sure you're ready for when the real opportunities come your way. All right, now we got that out of the way. Let's jump into today's episode with Billy Keels. Billy, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. Hey, Daniel. It's nice to be here, Chris. Nice to be here, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. We've been really excited to have you on the show, uh, Billy. It's uh, it's great to finally get you on here. You know, really just uh, to kick this thing off and give our listeners a bit more context about you, you know, we think you have a great, a very interesting story, right? We talked a little bit about it before the show. You know, you started in the U.S., you went in the corporate world, now you're living in Europe, but you're investing in the U.S. So walk us through your background, a little bit more about your background, your life prior to real estate, and then how and why you shifted your focus into real estate investing. Yeah, sure, Daniel. You know, one of, the, one of the things actually before I even do that, you know, Daniel, Chris, you, you guys are doing a lot of great things here. For, so everybody that's either watching or you're listening, especially like take a couple seconds, leave the guys a great rating and review because they're, they're pouring their hearts into this. And it's one of those things that helps us as podcasters is really get out there, share your opinions, help us with the ratings and reviews. And like I said, Daniel and Chris have been doing an awesome job. So just take a couple seconds to do that. So um, so so with that said, I guess, Daniel, and answering your question. Yeah, I'm, I'm a guy originally from uh, Columbus, Ohio. And um, I was very, very fortunate. I've lived in different places in the U.S. and Colorado and Texas. And uh, my parents were, were, were divorced. They both worked uh, two jobs to kind of make things, uh, make ends meet and stuff like that. So I did, definitely didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Uh, first of the family to graduate from college, I went to college at Miami of Ohio. And then the thing is, Daniel, after that, 
um, I had this really amazing job where I was working and traveling throughout some 58 countries in five years. And so my mind was just like completely like it exploded. And after that, I didn't see myself going to like a normal quote unquote nine to five job. So I took a one year sabbatical back in 2001. It was two weeks after 9-11. It was the 25th of September, 2001. And I got on the plane and I remember my dad took me to the airport at JFK and I was like, yeah, I'll be back in a year. And my dad just looked at me. He's like, yeah, you're not coming back, son. And so, you know what? It's really interesting because my dad who knew me better than myself or still knows me better than myself, some would say, um, it's been 20 years. I have traveled to a number of other countries. I've lived in three different countries over, uh, it's almost 20 years, uh, between France, Italy, and Spain. Got married, two kids, and um, still working in the IT industry and application software sector, uh, as well as uh, really falling in love with the uh, tangible assets that you talked about in the beginning of the uh, of the introduction. So it's a little bit about my story at the uh, like probably 50,000 foot level, but I'm sure we'll take it in a number of different directions from there, man. Yeah, we uh, you got a lot of good stuff to talk about, I think. But uh, one of the things I think is important that that I struggle with, I know a lot of people struggle with, is like the mindset. And I'm curious, like, can you talk to me a little bit about your mindset that you had, you know, when you started investing in real estate? You know, how was it then? How has it changed to now? And why do you think it's so crucial to have a strong, positive mindset if you want to succeed? Yeah, I mean, mindset definitely is something that's really, really important. And, and I, I think we were talking about this earlier, and, but just a little bit maybe why I got into real estate, because a lot of it is around, around mindset, right? And so I'm a recovering perfectionist. And, and what that basically means is I'm, I've got the good grades in school. I'm the A student. And I got uh, once I got my corporate job, I wanted to continue to grow and climb the ladder and get to the you know general manager or the CEO of a particular region. And um, and I wanted to do that. And then on the financial side of things, like as a recovering perfectionist or an A student, I was told to maximize my 401k and then where that was maximized to put money in an IRA and all these kind of tax deferred types of plans. And so I was doing that a couple of years out of college in 2000, there was this dot com bubble. And so my portfolio took a hit. And then I heard the thing from my financial advisor, hey, no big deal. Just kind of hang out and, you know, put just do some dollar cost averaging and eventually you're going to get back and da da da. And that was happening. And that was right. And then 2008 happened. And so in 2008, I lost 33% of my portfolio. And that was just terrible, right? And so going back to mindset, at that point, I, I thought about what my parents used to tell me. My parents used to tell me, or my parents do even to this day, they tell me, you know, if something happens once, Chris, it's, it's really shame on you. And, and if something happens twice, Daniel, then it's shame on me, right? Because I let the exact same thing happen to me twice. And so that's what was happening with my financial life. And so I had to figure out something different to do. And it just so happens that at my, at my dad and stepmom's house, they had this little purple book that many people have talked about all the time. And I picked it up and I was like, oh, this seems pretty interesting. And I put it down, and, but I remember picking it up. And then a couple of years later, I was back in the States and I picked the book up again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I flew back and, I, and it just completely devoured the book. And I was like, this is amazing. So it started, like I was in this place of really frustrated, had no control, didn't know really what to do. My financial life was out of my hands. And then I had this book and I was learning like, I can actually make two, 300 bucks a month per door and I can be in control of it and I can do this and I can do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I really want to start to do because I wanted to have more control over my financial life. So the mindset at that point was, what can I do to actually have more control over uh, my life at that point, I'd just recently gotten married. Our first son was on the way. 
And it was one of those things as to how do I actually make this happen? And many of us go through that, right? Because you're working your day job, you're you're trying to figure out how you're going to get the next promotion, you're going to get this percentage raise, and, and then you're doing things outside of the market. And then all of a sudden the market goes up and the market goes down. And the things that you really want to control, which is your own life and your livelihood, you feel like you don't have any control over them, or you've got to work these crazy, crazy hours all days, all nights, missing kids' um, events, and not being able to take your loved one out to do things because you're on a train, you're on a plane. Well, not recently, but before that, I mean, it was just kind of one of these things that I constantly was asking, like, how do I have more control over my life? And so mindset and really being able to focus, surround myself with the right people, not be afraid to take action make some mistakes along the way, really importantly, learn from the mistakes that I was making. That's one of the things that's been really, really important, especially someone who's a long distance investor, right? Because as you mentioned in the very beginning, I, by choice, love living in Europe. The thing is, I also love, by choice, investing exclusively, at least as of today, in the United States. And a lot of that has to, I I initially, and this maybe is a long-winded answer, but initially I didn't even want to do that because after I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, like I wanted to invest here in in Barcelona, Spain, where I live, but the numbers didn't work because all the mm-hmm. things that I was reading in the book was like positive cash flow and everything that I was seeing here in Barcelona, it all came out negative cash flow, and I was like, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And friends of mine that were like, Billy, listen, you're a U.S. citizen. Why don't you just invest back in the United States? And I was like. Do you not see the Atlantic Ocean between where we are in Barcelona to the like the, the closest to the East Coast? Like, how in the world am I going to do that? And um, I, you know, I had to. I, I struggled in the beginning, but it was one of those things that did I want the dream bad enough? Did I want to have more control over my own financial life to create freedom for myself, for my for my kids, for my wife? Uh, and I just had to continue to push through. So um, I know it may be a little bit of a long-winded answer, but just wanted to kind of give you a little bit more of the background and also, too, to help to understand this mindset and why it's so important to be able to continue to move forward and chasing after your own goals and building and making mistakes and taking action. Yeah, I think uh, you, you, you bring up a lot of good stuff there, and I took a couple notes here. And, you know, I think one thing that you, me, and Danny all have in common is, like, I, I don't look – I'll say this, but I don't don't quite mean it, but like, I look forward to making a mistake, that learning experience, like, you know, we're, I'm in a rush, you know, we are always trying to compress the timelines and get stuff done fast. Like, I enjoy hearing about the mistakes that you made. So those are the speed bumps that I don't have to hit. I love hearing about your successes. And those are extremely, you know, important to hear. But then like hearing about the trials and tribulations that you had to fight through to go, uh, you know, along the way, it helps me relate in that like, well, I'm not alone you know, but then in making those mistakes, like I'll never make that mistake two times. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good learner. Uh, but you yeah. brought up something else, you know, just about, uh, you know, the just crazy hours, you know, I understand you're coming from the corporate world where your morning starts extremely early and your day is very long. I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you go about finding the additional time necessary to, to work on keep on and, you know, and how's that affect the balance of raising a family and how do you maintain that focus without, reaching a point of just burning out. Yeah. Well, number one, it's not easy, right? It's, this is an ongoing kind of like, this is the way that you, you're just always looking to see how you can create uh, more time. Right. And you're mm-hmm. probably thinking, well, there's only 24 hours in the day. How in the world can you create time? Um, and, and so as you, like one of the things that I guess I'm very fortunate is that I wake up early, like I'm an early riser, but I enjoy waking up early as well. Like I don't have an alarm clock in quite a while. Like most people, if they're watching me on my, like they'll check out my Instagram, like over at Billy Keels and they'll actually see in my stories, like every day, what time I wake up and I wake up at 348. I may wake up at 415. I may wake up at, I don't know, five o'clock, 530. 
and, and the fact of the matter is I like to actually start my day. Number one is starting with kind of on myself and working on myself. So you're probably familiar with how Elrod, like the, uh, the miracle morning. And so I'm a big believer in savers. And so I start every single morning in my savers. I have my silence, which is my meditation. And then I do, um, I, I go from that. And, and then I go into the, um, being able to fill my, being able to fill my brain with the positivity and being able to then go out and visualize the things that I want to be able to do. And I get my exercise and I read and I, and I write and all the things like that. Right. And so it's starting there. And then because I have two kids, like I, I really enjoy being with them in the morning. So between probably anywhere between like five o'clock in the morning until about seven thirty, when my kids are up, I'm either working on myself mentally and physically, and then I start working on keep on. And I start looking at what are the things, what are the initiatives that we need, we need to push forward? What's not working in the business? Um, who do I need to be in touch with? Because they're in different parts of the, of the globe because I have a remote team now. And, and then afterwards, when I get into the corporate, like that's the part where like you're in the corporate time. So in mm-hmm. the corporate time, there's nothing else that's going on. And then towards the end of the day, get back home. Uh, typically, I'm with the kids for probably an hour, hour and a half, my kids and my wife. Uh, and then I do, I used to just go right back to work, but one of the things that's really important also too with maintaining the best relationship with, with my wife is making sure that I'm spending quality time with her as well, right? And then afterwards, I'll go back and I'll usually read for a little bit and then I'll fall asleep and that's probably like 11 o'clock and then I get up and do it again. And I'm very fortunate, like I said, I don't need a lot of sleep, although I read this book by Michael Hyatt, Free to Focus, and it's even though I don't need it, I still try to work on focusing on how I can maximize the amount of sleep. So sure. it's, it's really just making sure that, you're optim- that I'm optimizing every single day, uh, every single hour in and the, and the best way that I can. I don't get it right every time. I don't get it right every day, but I try to win at least four out of the seven days a week. Sure. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah, we're definitely big fans of savers. Uh, it's been a, long, been a long thing going, so... But yeah, you know, I think you bring up a good point too, because I think it's it's very important to have that win, especially for me. I know for me, I like to have that win first thing in the morning, not you know later in the day. That's fine, you can have that, but having that win first thing, man, it's 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 pretty critical for at least for my day. I know it is for for a lot of the people as well, and you know, just that just having that that mindset of oh, okay, I've already done this, so you know, I'm already winning today. So um, I do want to transition just a little bit here, Billy. Yeah. Um, you know, you're a long distance investor, and the thing is, you know we like to invest long distance, maybe not across countries, you know, but we do invest in different States, which is basically long distance. Right. Cause I'm not, I'm not seeing the property. I'm not buying the it property. It is long I, distance. Not, not right, basically. Yeah. It is long distance. We're definitely yeah. on the same page. It is long yeah. distance. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, and there's a lot of people who are on board with this, you know, this kind of idea of, you know, investing, you know, long distance, but there are some people who just can't wrap their mind around, it. you know, they're, they're very timid or, you know, they're wor- very worried about this. I want to talk about maybe, um, your first long distance investment, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about that and how you were able to like, if you had any sort of setbacks or anything, how you were able to cross that hump and get to that, that other side? Yeah. So the, the very first one, I mean, cause all of mine have only been long distance, right? I mean, that, that's the only thing I've done. And I, I just remember after I read the, the little purple book that I was, you know, I didn't know even anything about lending. Right. I mean, I, I knew that I had money because I'm a, a high wage earner and I had money in my account and I was tired of watching it, the roller coaster ride of the stock market. And so I was like, all right, this money I'm going to put to work. And so uh, I called back and I was asking, like, how do I get lending? Because I wanted to understand it. And then we talked about fixed rate or variable rate and blah, blah, blah. And, and all of this over the phone. Right. And so eventually um, I had I understood more about the the different types of way the different types of lending and then the bank the person that I knew from the bank actually introduced me to someone who was a general contractor but that general contractor then introduced me to someone who was 
a, and a realist, a realtor. And that realtor put me on this thing called the MLS. And so they put me on the MLS and then I was doing Zillow and then I was doing Redfin and I was doing all this research from Barcelona, looking like different, different places. Well, primarily in one place because there was, I didn't have much of a selection criteria kind of like I do now, but of course, when you get started, you don't really know what you don't know. And eventually as I, as I was looking and I made the purchase, I started building a quasi team and one day I've, I saw an opportunity on the MLS list that the realtor was sending me and it was a property that they were looking for and it was like $94,000 a duplex and I did the math and I was like, well, I have this money in the bank and, and so one thing led to the next. I ended up buying that property. It was like $77,000. I ended up putting another $20,000 into it. But I just made a decision based on the fact that I had like family that could get there relatively quickly so that everything went wrong at least they could go bail me out. Like there was no more thought into it than that. And so the thing of it was, um, you know, Danny, was that particular property I learned. So I made so many mistakes because I didn't know what I didn't know. Like I didn't even have a property manager, but I did know that, hey, listen, if something happens on this property, like people need to be able to call. So I ended up finding an answering service that was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then, you know, they talk about those 2 a.m. phone calls and all that kind of stuff. Like I was getting some of those by a text message. Now I had the six hour time difference. So sometimes it was two in the morning for me, but it was actually only eight o'clock or whatever. But I had to kind of figure that out. And then from there, I realized I didn't actually have a team. So I was on the phone and I was on the Internet and then I would have to find people. And they were usually the most expensive people because I didn't have a team in place. And one thing led to the next. But by making these mistakes, I then started realizing, oh, my goodness, well, I shouldn't have probably just looked at the property first. And then after I had the property, then figure out where's the team members. But then the team members actually knew the location or they didn't know the location. And then from there, really, what was I looking for? So I've kind of flipped it on its head, which is really now being crystal clear in terms of what it is that you're looking for from the benefits from real estate. So some people, as you guys know, are looking for either equity buildup over time. Some people are looking for tax benefits. Some people are looking for appreciation over a long period of time. And some people are just looking for cash flow. And then once you're personally clear on what it is that you want, whatever investment, real estate, real assets to do for you, then you go, you go to the location that is going to give you the highest possible probability of being able to get your goal. And then once you do that, then you build the team. And as you guys know, and without a doubt, for me, the most important and critical, critical aspect or member or element is the team. Like that is especially for long distance investors. That is the part that will make you or break you as a successful long distance investor. Because then after that, once you're clear on what it is that you want at the personal level, you know where the location is that you're going to find that, and then you build the team, then it doesn't really matter if you're putting a 300 unit apartment building, a duplex, a multifamily building, a piece of energy equipment, because everything's going to be aligned. And, and through my own trial and error, that's the process that I started putting into place, which is, okay, you get personally, what is it you want? Where's the location? Where's the team? And then what is the specific opportunity? So that at the end of the day, and this is my biggest thing, is return on, or is the ROS, which is return on sleep. And there's nothing better than being able to sleep well at night. And as a long distance investor, you've, in my opinion, you have to have those four elements in place to get the best possible return on sleep. And even when you do get those four elements in place, there's still chances and reality is that things are going to happen. So uh, hopefully that answers the question and just given my own little um, personal example. 
Yeah. You know, I love that return on sleep. That's uh, that's spot on right there. I can jump on board with that for sure. And I think you bring up a lot of good points there, uh, Billy. And the one thing I really want to touch on is, you know, it's so important, especially in the investing we kind of that we're into right now is, is the team, you know, it's so important to have those right pieces in place. Right. And so I'm curious, uh, and just, just from your experience, you know, building a team, you've gone through this uh, trials and tribulations of this. Talk to us about some of the challenges you've had with building a team and how you have now become very effective at doing this successfully. So I, I have to admit that. So I, as I've been in primarily sales and sales leadership for the last 23, 24 years in the corporate world, I have lots of experience in terms of being able to select talent, not just, um, uh, you know, pe- understanding people, understanding behaviors, understanding talent, how to develop talent. And so it was a really much easier, I would say it's still not uh, easy because we're, we're dealing with people at the end of the day. And anytime there's a people element, that's something that really takes and requires time and focus. But I didn't start from scratch. So at least that was one of the things that I've actually really enjoyed, right? Because when you're in a corporate employee and I'm fortunate, like I'm a happy corporate employee, I put it on my LinkedIn website, like you can go there and check it out because I really genuinely like it. And then you start to realize that there's so many transfer, transferable skills that you can learn in these really big companies so that when you are actually like you have your own dream and you want to build that, you're like, oh, well, you know what? Actually, I do know how to do this, this part. But as it relates to building a team, aside from being able to select talent, I think the biggest thing is then is really being able to say, okay, well, the, the team is here, but how do I develop the relationship? How do I check and make sure that this is the person that I actually want to be committed to for a long time? And I, the way that I look at it, it's no different than any other really quality relationship that you have in your life when you're long distance. You probably, and this is probably going to sound really familiar to you guys, you meet someone either on, um, on a Zoom session, because that's what we're doing a lot nowadays, or you may be at some event and you meet that person at the event, you exchange your cards and you talk and you remember something unique, and then you follow up. If you're not following up, then your chances are you're not going to really have a good relationship anyway, but you want to do it in a timely manner. You want to make sure that you're doing and you're talking about things that were relevant to the conversation that you had. And that's usually through email. And then the email goes to another email and then that usually eventually gets to a, hey, listen, we want to have a call, we want to talk a Zoom. And then you, that's the next step in the relationship. And then you're saying, hey, you're, you're getting to know one another, you're finding out things. And then you have another call. And then you're starting to then get into the business or you're starting to look at where the opportunities where you can actually best help one another, right? Because it needs to be something that's a mutual benefit to both parties. And then from there, it's just like any other relationship. There's going to come to a, a certain point where you have to show that you really want to be engaged or committed to the relationship. And so it's a matter of then taking that time, getting on an airplane, getting on a train, getting on whatever the case may be to actually build the relationship over the long term and then make those commitments. And whether those are signing certain documents, asking really, really tough questions through due diligence on both sides of the equation that is, I mean, it's just the natural progression. So there, I, I don't think there's a like a special kind of trick thing to, to building a, a team but it's about understanding, identifying what you need, finding, seeking that person out, and then developing a strong relationship. And that's something that takes time. There are definitely things you can do to accelerate the relationship, but it is a natural process. And each party has to put in their work in order for it to, uh, to be a ben- mutually beneficial relationship for both. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Billy. You know, we, uh, you know, the type of investing that we're into, we're passive investors. And, you know, with that being said, you know, we rely heavily on the sponsor, the operating partner, the team, basically, to execute the business plan successfully, right? And so in order to, in order to, you know, feel confident in investing in 
you know, somebody else's project, basically, you have to know, like, and trust them. You have to build that relationship, whether that means jumping on, like you said, Zoom call, going to live conference, or just whatever, whatever that may be, it, 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 you got to build that relationship. So, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about building a team or, you know, even investing passively, I think that's super important. Uh, you know, with that being said, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, you know, you, we invest passively because we can, uh, you know, invest with teams, professionals who have done this, reputable operators who are doing this. But we also do it for a couple of other reasons. One of those is the long distance investing. So we can take advantage of the diversifying, uh, uh, you know, in different geographical markets, right? I mean, it's, it's huge. So with that being said, you know, we know you've done some passive investing. I would love to just hear your opinion on passive investing and what you think about that as, you know, a portion of your portfolio. I'm a big fan of passive investing. I didn't even know passive investing existed, guys. When I got started, I just thought that you, went out and purchased the property because I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? And that, that's what I took away from that was, okay, I can go out and I can purchase these properties. I know that we can get some property managers and things like that. But then I'd already built, I'd already made four purchases before I recognized, or uh, three or four purchases before I'd ever even heard of um, passive investing. And I was like, well, hang on a second. I can actually take $100,000 and put it somewhere and get a return. Now the return's not as high, but if I get this and work with these people who've actually done this many multiple times a lot more than me, a couple things can happen. Number one, I can actually understand what their process is like, because if I like it, maybe this is something that I want to do because I've got all these skills that are managing these businesses across Europe, Middle East and Africa, large budgets and things like that. Number two, my money's working somewhere else where I'm going to have much more control of it. It's not on the roller coaster on the stock market. It's not in the casinos of Wall Street. And also I can start to build a net, build a network of people that I can have that I have a lot in common with. And so when I started finding out about passive investing, what it did for me, guys, is it really changed what I saw myself as a real estate investor to someone who focuses on investing in tangible assets. And whether that's investing in a specific business, if that's investing in real estate, because I think real estate also too, when operated properly is a business. It could be ATM machines, which I've done passively as well through other people. It can be large pieces of energy equipment, which is something that I'm doing now as a, as a syndicator for active or for accredited investors. And so passive investing, it really opened up the world to me in terms of the different opportunities that could actually help me to achieve the goals, the life goals, which is really not to make a zillion dollars. It's really to be, have the quality of life to be able to live between Europe and the United States and do that whenever I want. Like that's the ultimate goal. So passive investing has been one of the ways that's helped to open my mind to many new possibilities and also build so many new relationships as well. Yeah, that's and the same thing has happened to us. As soon as we started getting in the world of passive investing, our relationships just exploded, right? You know, yeah. and the amount of stuff that we learned, it, it's pretty incredible. It's like drinking from a fire hose, really, you know. But it, I also feel like it was one of those things like, I wish I would have discovered this a long time ago, you know. It was, yeah. I felt like I was a little bit late to the game. And, you know, that kind of made me realize another thing that, uh, you know, once we started learning more about this and, you know, actually making some passive investments and talking to other people, people who apparently weren't, uh, you know, they didn't know about this type of investing. And what I found was there's a, a lot of people who don't know about this type of investing. And so I'm kind of curious, what, why do you think there aren't more people who are passively investing in syndications? What's your opinion on that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that question. Um, cause my first instinct is to say is it's by design. Right. And I think when you don't, when you don't see that on the television, every single day and say, put your money here when it means that it's also, it's a little bit more work because it's not as easy as saying, well, I'll just take this amount of money out of my check every week and make sure that this happens. And 
or every two weeks or every month or whatever the case may be. Like you actually have to be involved because you need to build a relationship because eventually someone's going to say, hey, listen, this is a that's a hundred thousand dollar minimum. This isn't just, uh, hey, listen, you're going to do, you know, 50 bucks here, 50 bucks there. So it does require uh, some more time, some more attention. You need to be able to build uh, relationships. And it's not something that is that 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 is um, that's super easy. And I think because most people want to go towards things that are easy and a lot of the things that we see on television and, and it's just it makes it look like this is really, really easy. And the majority the majority of people want to do things that are easier. And I think that's one of the things that makes and provides a real big opportunity for people that are interested in syndications, whatever the type of syndication is. Like we all talk about real estate syndication, but you can syndicate so many different things and you're taking the time and energy and you actually have to go against the grain, which I think is another reason that there aren't so many people that are doing it. But, you know, I mean, Chris, Danny, you guys are doing this every day and you're talking to people and you want to continue to help to educate people because when you do find the people that want to invest their time and their energy because they're looking for more control over their life, it's such a rewarding feeling when you're like, you know what, I just helped this person get to where they want to go or at least take a closer step in the direction that they wanted to be able to go. And it feels awesome. I mean, it just feels great. I mean, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know in your, in your audience either, but it's just, it's such a different feeling. That's why we started this, right? I mean, it's just it's one of those things. And, you know, Chris and I, you brought up a good point too. Chris and I talk about that shiny object syndrome all the time, right? Because it happens. It's a real thing. And, you know, you see, like you said, you see these things on the television or whatever, and you try to chase these things. Well, you know, I think that's that could be a dangerous game to play, right? I mean, some people do okay at that. But I think that for us, the passive investing is 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 the way we want to go. And I think there's a lot of people who are missing out on it, but you know, it's just one of those things we got to get educated and that's why we're here. That's why all three of us are here today is to help educate other people and, you know, get them on board with this. Billy, you know, this has been a great conversation. We've, we've covered a lot today. Um, I could probably, you know, keep this conversation going on for uh, uh, quite a while, but we, you know, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but before we get out of here, we want to take some time and shine the spotlight on you, Billy. So tell us more about keep on, you know, your podcast or anything else you have going on. Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the biggest things is that, you know, as a long distance investor, it's one of the things, and I appreciate, first of all, uh, guys, this the opportunity to talk about this just for a couple seconds. But, um, you know, being here in Europe and not really knowing that many people that were investing uh, back or long distance, what I call it, right? Some people say international, but it's long distance. To your point, Dan, um, earlier, you said, you know, you can be in Oklahoma or you can be in Minnesota and you invest in wherever, call it in the next state over. Um, but that's long distance because you can't actually go see the property. So that was a, a passion project, the Going Long podcast with Billy Keels. Uh, we have had uh, over 116 episodes already, and so we're really, really excited about that. And a lot of wonderful guests are adding so much value and just being able to talk about what it takes to be successful as a long-distance investor, right? Whether you're doing that actively or you're doing that passively. Um, and so that's a lot of fun. And one of the things that we we want to be able to do and help people with that is a lot of people get frustrated and they don't really know what to do. To your point, the question you were asking earlier, and it's like, all right, well, what are the mistakes that I want to make and how am I going to make these? And we've tried to take some of the risk out of it, although there's always risk in any type of investment. And uh, lot, one of the things that people can do is go to billykeels.com forward slash uh, seven stakes, seven mistakes to avoid. Uh, and they can pick up a PDF there and that can help them understand a little bit more about the, uh, the long distance perspective uh, as well. And some of the mistakes to, uh, to avoid, or at least learn from uh, more than anything else. And I love being able to connect with people and go to check me out at billykeels.com. And um, I love connecting with people through LinkedIn. And by the way, when you connect with me through LinkedIn, definitely make sure that you referenced, that you heard uh, Chris and Danny and I talking here on Two Smart Assets, because that's going to really help us to continue the conversation. So, And then that way I can get back to the guys and say, hey, look, your audience is awesome. We're connecting and all that kind of good stuff. So 
So hopefully that helps, guys. And anybody's in Barcelona anytime soon, look me up. Love it, Billy. Absolutely. We're going to make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes so our listeners can reach out to you and get in contact with you. And also, I want to tell our listeners, you know, Billy, you're doing some amazing things. And I've you know, been listening to your podcast for a while now, and I would highly recommend all our listeners go check that out. And like you said earlier in the show, leave a rating and written review. It really helps, you know, kind of grow stuff. So we really, uh, we're going to promote you as much as possible because we really enjoy what you're doing. But uh, Billy, appreciate you know, it's it been does. a great conversation. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. All right, then, then also to Chris, really appreciate it, guys, the opportunity here. Love what you guys are doing. And, uh, and yeah, anything do to help, just let us know. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.